Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. We are recording. We got served again by Cuomo this week because of the big concert in Watermill. And we are on the naughty list again, and he's not very happy with us. Perhaps deservedly so this week, though. The concert that happened in the town of Southampton uh, was just a gross violation of not only the public health rules, it was a gross violation of common sense. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that. And we have um, Alec Deferta here again. He's our, uh, our summer reporter who actually attended the concert. So he's got some, some firsthand accounting. Um, but let's go around the room and we'll do our introductions. So with us today, we have Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Also with us today is Catherine Manu. Hey, it's Catherine Manu, sometimes known as Georgie, and I am the publisher of the Express News Group. And Alec, I'll let you go ahead and say hello, too. Hey, I'm Alec. I'm a news intern with the Express News Group this summer. And Joe Shaw is here. And I'm Joe Shaw, and I'm a member of the Chainsmokers. I don't know if everybody here knows that. I'm, I'm actually part of that band. I just I stay in the back and, and just sort of add add a few licks on the guitar when, when the time comes. No, that, it looks like you're in a, in a sauna or something right now, the way that you're situated in your it's the room. It's the morning light coming through and yeah. shining on my face. Yes. It looks like smoke, it's, which is appropriate. So uh, There's no smoke involved. I don't know what you're implying. There's no smoke involved. <laughs> All right. It's, and, it's good that this isn't a visual podcast. Yeah, probably. it's kind of better. Um, and my name is Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor at the Express News Group. So um, today, we, we made national news again. It seems like we've done that a couple times recently. International. Yeah, right. So for those of you who maybe have not read the Daily Mail or any of the press editions, the group, the Chainsmokers, came to town last Saturday night in this concert that was held at Nova's Ark, which is a big, a beautiful, expansive space in Watermill, horses and sculptures and that sort of thing. And it was billed as a concert that was going to be socially distancing safe. And they were going to create, I guess, seating areas where people could sort of gather within a safe zone with their pod. And you could, I think for $25,000, they'd give you a Winnebago or something like that. And that all that sort of thing. But apparently, um, at some point, it devolved into more of a, a mosh pit situation, I guess where a lot of people gathered up front and there was no social distancing and there was video shot and it got to the governor, Andrew Cuomo, and he was not happy at all. Uh, It was grossly disrespectful to fellow New Yorkers. Uh, And the Department of Health is going to do a full investigation uh, as to why the town of Southampton issued a permit, uh, as to what the promoters thought they were doing uh, how the event as it was going on was allowed to get out of control. 
why the local law enforcement didn't do anything uh, when they saw that they had an event uh, that was out of control and uh, all the rules were being violated. So that investigation is ongoing. We're taking it very seriously. Uh, also been and of course, the ultimate irony is that, that one of the opening acts was not only, I think, the guy from Goldman Sachs, but it was also our um, own Southampton town supervisor, Jay Schneiderman, who's also a drummer. So a little bit of irony there in that the town supervisor was, in fact, one of the performers. So um, how do we feel about this? That's, actually, I want to ask Alec because he is here for a reason. He was the guy at the at the concert. And he's the only one who probably is aware of the chain smokers before of all this, uh, all this happened. Um, this was a fairly big deal, wasn't it, Alec? Because the chain smokers actually hadn't been performing live uh, for a while, and so this was this was a concert that, by its nature, was going to sort of attract a crowd from a fairly uh, bigger region than just locally. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. The chain smokers, I know of them. They have like a weird reputation among my friend circles, honestly. Um, the Chainsmokers could headline a regular music festival and people wouldn't do a double take. Like that's a normal act to headline a music festival. So when I heard that they were coming to the East End, we normally get smaller names out here. I was very shocked. And then adding on that we're in a global pandemic, I was immediately curious as to like how, how this would go because that's a big name. Their songs are loud, their songs are energetic. It's not quiet, sit in the park and listen calmly music. It's have a crazy time music so it's an interesting act to bring during the pandemic and it's it, early on in that concert when jay's band performed uh and the other opening acts were performing this was designed to be a drive-in concert where people had their own little spaces and you were supposed to stay distanced and that was pretty much the case early on correct i was moving around the field like looking around at what was going on and there weren't crowds aggregating but what was advertised to a lot of people was that their cars would be six feet apart from other car their areas would be six feet apart from other areas and that wasn't the case all the car areas were stacked right next to each other and i was looking at the site plans with the permit and that was what was permitted so it's interesting because in like their graphic designs which they say aren't to scale the plots for each car are very distance apart. So the graphics they release make it look like it's going to be a very socially distant concert. But then upon arrival and upon looking at the permits, it's really not that socially distant. So even in the back fields, like people were mingling in between vehicles and visiting each other's picnics. And like that's cause for concern as well. Because let's say one person in one car has COVID and doesn't know it, then that person who visited their car might have it and then they go somewhere else. And it's just like, a really easy way to transmit the disease. What was the security situation like? Was there anybody monitoring the behavior of, of people once they got in? Because they had promised there was going to be temperature checks. And I think you had mentioned you didn't get temperature checked when you went into the gate. And I'm just wondering what sort of security presence did they have? And did they even try to keep people socially distanced? So throughout the event, I saw a lot of people without masks. A lot of people told me they were not temperature checked when I asked them. And only twice was I or did I witness someone being reprimanded by a security guard. Um, the first time was when somebody kindly asked my friend to put their mask on. I don't know why they didn't put it off, but they just asked them to put their mask on, they put it on. And then the second time was towards the end during the Chainsmokers concert. It was around 10, 15. And I think they realized they had a problem. And so they deployed one, there was one security guard 
and he had a flashlight and he was making people move along but he, re he really wasn't doing an effective job people were already pretty intoxicated and just doing what they wanted to do otherwise security was really in my view what from what i observed was there was a traffic presence to maintain like car movement i never saw someone getting yelled at or recommended for leaving their car space can i ask about the mask situation down there was anybody following that kind of mandate if they were leaving their pod area some people were the other part that i was concerned about was they said they would give out complimentary face masks and i understand that they might have been cut with the budget or maybe that wasn't it was hard to organize but I didn't get one and I did not see anyone get a complimentary face mask, which I think is a little misleading because if you tell people you're going to give them masks, they might not bring one. One of the questions I have, Alec, and maybe this is the key question that the governor's asking as well, is there's a state mandate that says you can't have gatherings of anything larger than, I believe it's 50 people at the moment. Um, and this was a concert that ended up having 3000 people at it. I guess the question is, how does that happen, period? But, and was it because the, the idea was that the socially distanced measures that were supposed to be part of the permit were supposed to address that and keep people from actually gathering together in a sense? Is that sort of the loophole that was used here? I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around at a time when we're not supposed to have gatherings larger than 50, you could even approve a concert of 3,000 people. I, I, that's, been, that's been something that's bugged me about this story the whole time. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of weird loopholes that were used to get this passed. Jay, at his press conference on Tuesday, said the loophole was that drive-in movies and outdoor concerts didn't apply to the 50-person gathering rule of the state put down, but in his letter to the supervisor, Health Commissioner Howard Zucker reminded the supervisor that the limit existed at 50 people for non-essential gatherings, and the chain smokers are not an essential gathering. Um, well, for some people, they may be. Yeah. Well, I think also let's not lose sight of the fact that this was kind of billed as a charity event, raising money for local organizations, Fresh Air Fund, and, and whatever, and, and I wonder if that came into play. Look, this this was what it was, but it wasn't a chain smokers concert per se. It was the chain smokers playing at a fundraising concert for the community. And and take that for, you know, with a grain of salt too. But yeah. But I think too this brings up the whole issue that we always every summer debate, which is events that are held out here for I'm sure very good causes, but often causes that have very little connection to this area. And it always just makes us crazy because yeah, it's great to raise money for kids in wherever, but there's a lot of very good deserving organizations out here that aren't the beneficiaries. The Fresh Air Home was a beneficiary, but all the other charities were not something that was local. So I don't know if we want to, you know, I don't even know if we have a way of finding out how much money did that Southampton camp even get, you know? Each charity was told they would receive, I think I saw this in a press release, um, a minimum of $10,000. I called the Southampton Fresh Air home before the concert and they did say that they knew about it. They were happy to be receiving the funds. And so there were three charities. There was No Kid Hungry, which is a base in DC. It's a nationwide anti-hunger organization. There was a children's hospital in Syosset that provides services to people who can't afford them. And then 
there was the Southampton Fresher Home. So two of the charities were based on Long Island. And I'm pretty sure No Kid Hungry does work on Long Island. So you could argue that they all do local work. Are there better charities? Absolutely. Well, and 30 grand out of how much they may have made probably isn't a whole lot of money. Maybe some of those may have been corporate giveaways too. You know what I mean? Just like those boxes nobody sits in at Yankee Stadium. Did anybody take up that $25,000 offer, Alec? Did they have a Winnebago there? All, all the RV spots were full in what I, from what I saw. Were they? <laughs> yeah. And I, it's a good question. I think we're trying to find out whether or not we can get a final figure for how much money was raised. In the No Experiences, who ran the concert is not a nonprofit entity. They're a for-profit lifestyle insurance company. Even the nonprofit um, aspect of it, it'll probably take a long time before that money is transparent that we could find it. But one of the things that struck me about it, the reaction that I heard locally was from business owners who were upset. And, and they said, you know, this is just, this is insulting that, you know, a lot of business owners said we have been forced to, to, to make real sacrifices during this crisis and haven't been able to open and have had to do all of this social distancing and everything. And here is an event that just flaunts those rules. And it doesn't help with the optics, obviously, that the town supervisor was part of the event itself. You know, I think, honestly, it's just a matter of optics. It makes it look like there was a a compromised situation because of that. But I think it's more about the message it sends to the community about our, our local commitment to this. And I think it took it, it, you know, Bill, I think you said it earlier, it's, it's a big blow to our reputation right now, which is a shame because we have had, and we talked about this in the editorial this week, this is a situation where we should have been a national leader in how to deal with this crisis. And now suddenly we're a poster child for the worst aspects of it. It's just a shame that it, it happened one event caused that. I think it's also really kind of sad. The very same night, the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center had Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes performing a drive-in concert in West Hampton Beach that went off flawlessly. You know, everybody abided by social distancing. They had appropriate security. They had the appropriate number of people. And unfortunately, I feel like this event is going to kill a lot of those fundraisers for those are more local organizations that really could use an infusion of a drive-in concert right now. So I think we can just kiss that goodbye for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, you already saw the West Hampton gazebo concert series. We got a call early this week from them that was like, look, we're going to cancel our concert for this upcoming weekend, citing what had happened with the chain smokers. You know, and I think it's also really frustrating as somebody who has spent almost her whole life living on the east end of Long Island, you know, the Hamptons, and for those listening, I did air quotes around that, gets this really bad reputation of being like this party spot for the fabulously wealthy. It has such a different view from the rest of the world than what actually exists here. And so the fact that we have been doing so well out here, local businesses have been working so hard to do the right thing. Nonprofits have been working so hard to do the right thing. Our infection rates are down. People are wearing masks. But now the world view is again, oh, look at the crazy party Hampton spot. You know, they can't even stay home during a pandemic. They're at the chain smokers. When most of us are doing the right thing, you know? And as a business owner, it's really frustrating when I'm now looking at our governor, who I think has done an excellent job, 
throughout this pandemic of taking this seriously and asking New Yorkers to take it seriously. And now he's once again looking at our region and is angry. And I'm terrified that this is going to have real repercussions for local businesses. also been reports that we have been receiving about uh, behavior uh, in the village of Southampton that has been ongoing and recurring that also violates uh, the uh, public health regulations. Uh, the village of Southampton is located within the town of Southampton and both the town uh, and the village uh, leadership uh, will be involved in that inquiry. Um, so that is ongoing and that's being handled by the Department of Health. Uh, violation of the public health law has civil fines uh, and a potential for criminal liability. So we're taking that very seriously. We saw that the governor uh, and the Dr. Zucker, you know, at, at the same time later in the week, also, you know, cast a spotlight on Southampton Village. And they have their Saturday night live events with restaurants, dining in the streets, that type of thing. And now there's accusations of violations there and they're lumping it all together. And they're saying, you know, this is the Hamptons and Southampton town and Southampton village, you know, aren't setting, you know, the, the right tone here. And, and you're going to see that across the board, across the South shore for the rest of the summer is this, this microscopic look at everything that's going on. And, and while that's good in a sense, it's really unfortunate for what you were saying, Georgie, that it's, it's just going to really impede some local businesses. Can you clarify who Dr. Zucker is? Yeah, he's the commissioner of the New York State Department of Health. Um, he's kind of been at the table literally during every daily briefing with Governor Cuomo. And so to get a letter from him, like the letter he sent to the supervisor, that was a pretty, like, the New York Times called it blistering, and I think it's a pretty blistering letter. And he wrote a piece in Rolling Stone, which I found intriguing that he wrote a piece in Rolling Stone just about this event. I think it's also interesting that, so not only is Jay Schneiderman, the Southampton town supervisor, in trouble, but also, I guess, Jesse Warren, the village mayor of Southampton, is in trouble. The, the criticism against, against um, Jesse and, and the village had less to do with the concert and more to do with um, some bars and restaurants that may have had some violations in the heart of the village. And the, the state kind of lumped those two things together, I think, this week, you know, under the, I'm going to do the air quotes too, under the, you know, the auspices of violations in the Hamptons. But meanwhile, in other parts of air quotes, the Hamptons, enforcement has been a big part of what local police have been doing on the daily basis. In East Hampton, I would say it would be hard to find a restaurant owner who said that they have not had a code enforcement officer or a police officer walk through their restaurant on almost a daily basis. So enforcement is happening out here. And again, what's unfortunate about what happened with this concert and perhaps what's happening with a few restaurants in Southampton Village is that it casts this negative light across the whole region when again, a lot of people are doing the right thing and a lot of local governments are trying to make sure that these rules are being enforced. I think there are actually like different like subcultures in each town in Southampton. If you walk around Southampton Village where I'm from, not everyone's wearing a mask. 
businesses are a little more crowded and it's kind of the norm. In Sag Harbor, on the other hand, people are extremely careful. Every business owner is very strict about masks. So I think it's kind of like even the culture on Main Street of each Hamlet kind of has its own doing in this pandemic. We actually had a business owner on Main Street call the village, have to call the village police um, twice in Sag Harbor last week for people just refusing to wear masks and then being confrontational when they said, well, you can't come into my store if you're not wearing a mask. Well, and you had the opposite true too, right? You had one, was it a, was it a gallery? I, I don't want to name names, but I, I think we reported it where, where there were, there was a crowd of people without masks and the police came and, and the owners told the police to leave their premises and, and were not very cooperative. This was actually a case where it was the first criminal summons issued as a result of a failure to social distance. So um, without naming the store, it was a, it's a new store that opened this summer in a building that houses Que Pasa and Yummy Licious. And the store had a gallery opening featuring local artists and in the parking lot the deputy mayor in Sac Harbor Thomas Gardella noticed that there was this huge gathering happening and so he called village police chief Austin McGuire who sent an officer down there who said there was absolutely no social distancing we actually have a photo that very illustrative of that and nobody was wearing masks and when he tried to ask the store owner to address the situation, he was told to leave and that it was a private event and police were not welcome. And so he did wait until the crowd dispersed, but over the course of the next week, the village police chief decided to pursue a criminal charge. And so a misdemeanor charge of criminal nuisance was levied against that store owner who will have to go back to justice court in early August to answer those charges. Uh, what, a, what a way to be a good neighbor when you first move in. Jeez. I wonder at this point then, so this happened, this, this concert happened. We're going to see what the fallout is. I suspect in two weeks, we'll know whether or not there's some type of a spike in numbers. Although I think it's worth pointing out that the concert goers were probably from throughout the region. So it won't necessarily impact our local numbers uh, in a significant way. We may not see a spike, but that won't necessarily mean there wasn't an effect from this concert. Uh, we won't really know. So what does this all mean moving forward? I wonder how it'll change how the town views events and how we view events and, and how we view success and failure uh, in the middle of this pandemic, which is where we still are. We are still in the middle of this thing. And I think uh, there's a there seems to be a resistance from some people to acknowledge that. I think a lot of it'll fall on on the organizers who, by many accounts, and, and they're denying this, of course, but had reported to the town that they were putting these safety measures in place, um, that they were distancing the cars and and those areas. And I think I read somewhere they're now saying that that the people in the VIP area, which was the questionable area up front that, that drew a lot of the videos and a lot of the attention, were, were mostly chain smokers, entourage that had been backstage and then were moved to the front of, front of the stage. So, so I, I mean, I think there, there's certainly gonna be some back and forth. I think that the town will, will stand fast on, on the permit, you know, the permit that they issued 
um, that called for these measures, called for the temperature checks, called for social distancing, called for um, you know security in the area. And whether you know whether any of that or all of that occurred or not will you know yet to be proven, I guess. But the, the organizers are the ones that the finger is going to be pointed at. Although I I found it interesting that Alec was saying that in the permit itself. Uh, the car spacing wasn't as socially distanced, am I wrong here, as the graphics of the event would have led you to believe. So if if somebody, whoever, you know, the town, when they approved the permit, they had a schematic that showed that this wasn't as socially distanced an event as it was being marketed, correct? Yeah, that's correct. The permit has cars stacked, like it's car blank space for like socializing and then car right on top of that which is like, if you're socialing in that grassy area, you're right next to somebody else's car. If the graphics they released, which said not drawn to scale, but not like that, that does carry some degree of accuracy if they're not drawn to scale. Um, they're like completely independent car plots spread over a really grassy area, like a really big area. With borders in, in between them, you're saying? Yeah, there were like buffer areas for social distancing right. that just didn't exist. And when I first arrived, that was my first like, oh, we're really close to other people. Like the people next to us were obviously in our area to get to other sides of their car. The people in front of us were right on top of us a lot of times at the concert. But I think it's also unfortunate because the reality is that these things can be enforced. Um, you know, we've had the Sag Harbor Cinema having their drive-in movies down at Haven's Beach every Sunday. And when I was speaking with Chief McGuire this week and we talked about the Chainsmokers concert, you know, they have officers down at Haven's Beach every Sunday, you know, to police that event. And he was like, honestly, we haven't had a single enforcement issue. Everybody's socially distanced. Everybody's doing the right thing. So you can have these entertainment events during a pandemic, but, you know, they have to be planned responsibly and towns and villages have to enforce social distancing and they have to be active in that. And I think what I was most surprised at about the Chainsmokers concert situation is why it didn't get shut down in the middle of the concert when all of this was occurring. Why wasn't there a phone call made by the town supervisor if he was still there or by the village mayor if he was still there to police saying, this isn't working out. This needs to be shut down immediately just for health and safety. They did end it a half an hour early. I think they did shut it down a little early. For, I, I saw that somewhere, I, half an hour, but I'm not sure when the videos were shot, how far into the show that was. I had a question for, for Alec. What was the average age of the people attending the Chainsmokers concert, and I, I'm comparing that to, you know, the older crowd in in West Hampton Beach, or you know, perhaps an older, um, you know, local, more local crowd at Haven's Beach. I would say between 25 and 35, more towards 25. It was a very young crowd, an age group that, that is that is kind of feeling a little invulnerable. Absolutely, I think it was like a music festival almost. People want to be seen by other people. People want to walk around. People want to socialize. You know, Cuomo made it pretty clear they're going to come down fairly hard on the town and maybe even the village with um, the dining issues. So what's the next step? How does this process work? And what kind of liability are we looking at, either for Jay Schneiderman personally or the town and villages in general out here? Moving forward, the town is 
is going to have to be a lot more attentive, not only to these plans in advance, but to enforcing them on the sites. And I, I think the fallout from this will have to be that. This is a very big black eye to serve as a warning that the system isn't really working and it needs to be fixed. And uh, it's interesting when you say, what will the fallout be as far as the governor? I'm not sure what the governor can do to the town, but what's terrifying, I think, for a lot of people is the governor can make life really miserable for a lot of local businesses. And that can be the response that he decides to take in punishment for the town. And it'll be businesses that pay the price for it. And that is not going to be helpful this summer. It's a difficult summer already. It really is just a shame that the region suffered this kind of black eye. So were you, were you nervous at all, Alec, during the concert? I'm still nervous. I'm getting tested today because I I was in that VIP area trying to get photos. Um, and I, I just like, I've never felt safe at the entire time there. I think we have to give Alec hazard pay, Georgie. I'm like really upset when I hear that because the last thing I want is for any of my staff to be out in the fields doing this important reporting and putting themselves at risk. To be fair, Alec asked for those tickets. We didn't tell him he had to go to that concert. So, so my last question for Alec then is just how was the show? Was it a decent show? It was pretty good. Um, the general consensus among me and my friends who went through a press pass, we did not pay for tickets, was that Jay Scheinerman actually gave the best performance. Uh, we really liked his set. It was good. The Goldman Sachs CEO, he was like really impressive. Like I didn't think he'd be good. He was really good. He could quit his day job. Is that what you're saying? He could, yeah, he could leave his day job. Well, what would summer in the Hamptons be without a scandal, an international scandal? Got to have something in the Daily Mail this summer because, you know. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.